Hi folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for listening to Fat-Burning Man, where we talk about real food and real results. Today's episode of the show is a throwback from 2013 with my good friend Dave Asprey. He's putting on a biohacking conference this weekend. I'm going to be speaking about fasting and feasting as well as holistic biohacking, the way that you can actually improve your body's performance by sometimes taking things away from it or feeding it with some special herbs and doing some other really cool stuff. So we're going to be talking about that. If you can't make it, know that I'm going to be covering a lot of these topics in upcoming shows, as well as my new book, The Wild Diet, which is coming out in April of 2015. I hope you enjoy it. So as you know, we've been traveling around the country and the world since June, and uh, it's now September. It's been a wild, wacky adventure with our truck catching fire, going to Burning Man, living in national parks. Right now, we're at about 10,000 feet, and we're going to be driving through the Rocky Mountains on our way to make it to uh, California by Sunday. So it's a, it's a long drive. There's some pretty cool stuff in between. We might hit up Joshua Tree. We spent the past couple of weeks at the sand dunes in Colorado in the mountains, which are just breathtaking, as well as the petrified forest, which is essentially a sea of uh, enormous 225 million year old trees that have been crystallized into petrified wood and crystals and it's just insane so if you haven't been on these adventures stay tuned because i'm going to be looping you guys in with the coolest stuff there is to see in america and abroad but if you were lucky enough to snag a ticket for dave asprey's bulletproof conference this weekend i really do hope that you come say hello always love meeting you guys so without further ado let's go hang out with dave asprey and talk about some biohacking cheers Folks, today we're here with my buddy Dave Asprey, the man behind Bulletproof Exec. How's it going, Dave? Abel, really, really well. How are you, man? Life is good. Life is good. The world was supposed to end today. It's December 21st that we're recording this, and I'm glad that it didn't. I'm totally writing those checks for my student loans now. (laughs) (laughs) So you were just in Austin. We got to hang out, which which made a lot of my fans and listeners very jealous when I posted that on Twitter and Facebook. But (laughs) I just wanted to start by saying uh, we ate sushi with rice dipped in a big tub of guacamole, spicy guacamole, which is delicious, covered in salt. So just going from that example, can you explain what your approach is to nutrition and why that, that stuff works? Well, the Bulletproof diet is carefully designed to reduce inflammatory toxins from all of their various sources and even just inflammatory types of proteins. What I did over the course of the past Oh, about 15 years and somewhere between 250 and $300,000 in spent personally biohacking myself. I came up with a good amount of research about which types of fats, which types of proteins, which types of carbs you might want to eat and which types you might want to avoid for a variety of reasons, most of which are tied to inflammation or performance. Mm-hmm. Then I stack ranked all those things. So you can literally look at a one-page infographic and say, Yeah, I want to eat 50 to 70% of my calories from fat, but it needs to be healthy fat because if you eat that much corn oil, you're pretty much toast. Yeah. But (laughs) if you eat that much margarine, you're maybe even worse. Yep. But if you do that from things like MCT oil, which is a 6X extract of coconut oil or grass-fed butter, you can feel amazing. Like you can turn your brain on in ways you didn't know you could, and you can lose a pound a day for long periods of time. Like it's unbelievable what a diet free of toxins does for you. And that's 
why we chose sushi like that. Sushi, raw fish, because it's not cooked, it doesn't have a lot of inflammatory toxins. It doesn't have heterocyclic amines. It doesn't have things that happen when you heat up protein with fat. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we might have got a little bit of mercury in there, which happens. And you can take something called chlorella, which is a fractured cell wall uh, form of algae that absorbs chlorella in the gut so you don't get mercury from your sushi. I wasn't too worried about having white rice because I was on a really hectic day without very much sleep, which tends to happen when I'm on the road. I was actually in town for a conference actually for Dell World, believe it or not, because I'm a vice president at a large internet security company. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool. I got to meet you on the way to the airport and we stopped off to have this, you know, this nice meal. And I looked at it. I said, okay, I've got some protein from the fish. I'm looking at about 15 to 20% protein as being the right amount of protein unless you just lifted weights or something. Yep. And then the carbs, normally I keep my carbs down to under 100 grams a day and oftentimes much less than that and I tend to space them out but because I was under a significant amount of stress having worked at a show all day been meeting with top executives from you know a billion dollar company all day long it turns out a little bit of starch not a lot was just fine in fact it was probably good for my adrenals mm -hmm. on top of that white rice is like the great source of starch the two that I recommend most are sweet potatoes and white rice because they have the least toxins in them. Of the two, sweet potatoes are actually superior to white rice for a very small reason. But yeah. overall, if you're going to have some starch, those would be the sources. So I'm like, wow, I get all the fat from the guac. I get the protein from the fish. I get a little starch from the rice. And it's available at Whole Foods. You don't even have to cook it. It seemed like a good meal to me. It was. And it was absolutely delicious. Washed down with a kombucha, which is one of my favorite drinks. Oh, yeah. For all those people out there who haven't tried it, it might be a little bit weird at first. If you're used to having a lot of sugar, uh, it definitely strikes your mouth as sour the first few, few times that you have it. But once you've adjusted to not tasting a lot of sweet things and bombarding your mouth with uh, with overly sweet things, then you can actually taste again. Uh, it's actually pretty sweet stuff, and uh, I, I polish one off probably once a day. Yeah, kombucha is a really interesting compound. It's made from green tea and you brew the tea and you add sugar to it and you basically let it ferment using a special culture that's a mix of fungus and bacteria that forms a synergistic blend that looks kind of like a large organ like a liver or a kidney it's pretty gnarly looking actually yeah it's pretty gnarly looking and it's actually kind of disgusting when you think you're like drinking mushroom pee <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. And actually, one of the first times that we made it, we totally screwed up and didn't seal it off well enough. And so a bunch of uh, flies got in there and laid eggs. And so we looked down and there were little maggots on top of the kombucha mother. And, and that's never a good sign. Oh, that, that's good luck, man. You didn't know? <laughs> oh, yeah. We choked the whole thing after that. <laughs> yeah, I've had mold grow on mine, too. Yeah, and, I've and had that, too. Here's the thing. If you grow your own kombucha, you're you're definitely taking some risks. Mm -hmm. And the history of kombucha is kind of funny, but a while back, this has to be early 90s, late 80s, a mycologist guy working with antibiotics took a sample of it and ran it through his chemical analysis and extracted four new kinds of antibiotics that no one had seen before. Wow. Took them into one of the pharmaceutical companies and they got super excited when they saw the compounds. And 
said, well, you know, we, we need to look at patenting these. And when they, they heard where they came from, they're like, oh, we don't want these. <laughs> <laughs> and like, literally, they, they shut down the research because they're like, this just can't be. Weird. <laughs> so it is weird. But it also turns out, depending on what you've got going in your own culture, you might be not doing yourself any favors at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's certainly not very studied. And that's why when I drink kombucha, I tend to get it from the brand whose name I already forgot, where they tell you specifically what strain, like what genetic profile of their culture is in there. Yeah, That's pretty important for any probiotic. Don't just eat something that's kind of spoiled because it must have probiotics. Mm -hmm. You might not like what happens when you do that. And it won't be like, oh, I threw up. It'll be like, well, weird things happen in my gut that didn't used to happen and I don't know why. Yeah. And they happen over weeks and months. Yeah. Uh, Synergy, is that the name? I think that's the one, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that I usually have. It tastes pretty good. They actually don't overload it with sugar. Most of them do, I've found, you know, like 6 to 12 grams in uh, in a serving sometimes. And Synergy usually keeps it a little bit lower. My favorite's the ginger one. Yeah, if you order, if you look on the back, some of them, like the mango from Synergy, is really, really sweet. And mm-hmm. it's got a lot of sugar. So you can cut your sugar in half just by paying attention to it. Yep. Or, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I drink a, a kombucha every day. But I, when I travel, particularly, I might drink one just because uh, extra probiotics are there and it tastes good. And yeah, you know. yeah, and I can probably get away with it more so than you because I train most days or I'm doing something active most days. Where um, it seems like you're not a huge fan of of exercising, certainly not every day. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I, I think moving every day is yeah. really a good idea, but mm-hmm. moving isn't exercise right. in terms of really triggering muscle growth and doing something along the body by science lines. I pretty much you know, do my muscle stimulation once a week at most. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not sleeping very much like two or three hours a night or I'm on airplanes crossing time zones, I've got plenty of physical stress on my body. It's just not weightlifting stress. Right. It's you know job and airplane stress. And I need to recover from that before I even think about putting on more muscle. Yep. Yeah. And actually right now I'm probably training more. I'm certainly training more than I otherwise would just because I signed up for uh, Krav Maga and I've been going to those self-defense classes and that can just totally kick your butt. It's like a combination of CrossFit and beating the crap out of each other with sticks. So. I, I'm, I'm so jealous. I, I first learned about Krav Maga in like 1993 mm-hmm. and it's been on my list of things to do. And every time I've lived somewhere, I look for a class and they're always like an hour away. Oh, like, really? Oh, man. Like, why can't I just live next to a Krav Maga gym? Because I'd be in there like hitting people with sticks every day. <laughs> well, come visit me down here again. We can definitely uh, get you in. Oh, that'd be great fun. Yeah, it's like a mile and a half away from my house. I couldn't believe it. I was looking up and expecting the same thing, that it would be, you know, two hours away or something. But yeah, it's right next to my house. It's awesome. You know, I have to say, Austin's a a pretty cool city. Yeah, it is. I mean, the West Coast, everyone says that the West Coast is better if they're from the West Coast. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, And I can see that because you have the mountains and the sea and stuff. And that's the one thing or the one set of things that... Austin is missing in close vicinity, but it has so many other things. And it's like a half price sale when you live here compared to <laughs> the East Coast or the West Coast. So, yeah, I, I love Austin. We have lots of uh, fun things coming up. You're coming to uh, Paleo FX this year again, right? I am indeed. Awesome. Awesome. So anyone who hasn't met Dave yet, we can all hang out there and drink some uh, kombucha in moderation. <laughs> we'll do shooters. Nice. I like that. Um, and, and coffee too. You were carrying your own coffee around last year, which was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I'll bring a bunch of it to paleo FX. Nice. I, I've learned able that hotel coffee and, you know, Starbucks and just run of the mill commodity coffee 
I might get a little boost from it, but then I always feel bad later. I tend yeah. to crash after it. So you get that up, down, up, down effect. I, I grind my own coffee. I seal it in a Nalgene and I fly with it in my carry on. And I've done this like hundreds of times now. <laughs> and every time I go through security, they open it up. Is this liquid? I'm like, no, it's coffee. And like, well, coffee is liquid. No, it's powdered coffee because I don't drink hotel coffee. That stuff is bad. And <laughs> And, you know, the TSA guys, they all laugh and go, yeah, that stuff is really bad. And they all agree with me. And then it's like they think I'm cool. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I keep well, thinking I should cool. put some drugs inside the coffee, but that's not really my, my thing. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do, right? I should exactly. be saying this on air. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you about this. I don't know how familiar you are, um, but I just got myself in a bit of a pickle because I took the, um, the LEAP MRT test for food sensitivity? I don't Have you heard of that or, or taken it yourself? I've definitely done food sensitivity tests with IgG and IgE, but I don't know MRT, what's that stand for? Uh, the mediator release test, I believe is what it, it stands for. And so it's, it's similar to the other ones. Um, it basically measures your body's response to eating certain foods from non-reactive, moderately reactive to reactive. And basically you're supposed to, the ones in green, the non-reactives are fine to eat you want to totally avoid the the reactive ones um and then moderately moderately reactive you want to back off of them for a while and then maybe you can reintroduce them later okay so it's related to the food rotation sort of thing yeah yeah uh, this is really really kind of cool i haven't come across this kind of testing before is this blood or what what are they doing it with yeah they they took my blood um actually turned it around like i went into the uh the lab and they took my blood. I had the results in my inbox and on my doorstep within like 48 hours. It was crazy how quick it happened. Um, but here's my problem. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm not allergic, it looks like, to a lot of things that, that many people are allergic to. So for example, I'm uh, in response to most grains, this surprised me, I don't have a high reaction. I think part of that is because I don't really eat them. Oh, yeah, I'm the same way, by the way. I, I have no reaction to grains um, on IgG or IgE. Mm -hmm. um, seafood, totally fine. Um, but here's where we get into trouble. Fruits, olive, I'm highly reactive. All, all sorts of olive, olive oil, uh, olives themselves. Um, grapefruit, which I tend to have a lot of, uh, I'm very reactive to. Have you read my posts on grapefruit? I think so. Yeah, it's not exactly as uh, as bulletproof as people might think it is. Tim Ferriss made it super popular, but right. it really inhibits liver detox functions. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend eating it on a regular basis, even though you might lose a little bit of weight. You yeah. might gain it later when your liver doesn't work as well as it should. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, because basically it blocks uh, things like caffeine from clearing from uh, the liver as quickly as they otherwise would, but the same with toxins. Uh, yeah, it's it's called the P450 detox pathway. It's one of the major ones in the liver, and it slows it down. So, mm -hmm. like, well, wait, what else am I not detoxing aside from caffeine? So, yep. almost anything that messes with the liver to raise your blood levels or something else is not a good idea. Yeah, and it can interact with a lot of medications too in an yeah. unfavorable way. So, so grapefruit. What else were you allergic to? Honey. Uh, you know, that's so weird. Uh, when my results came back recently, honey was on it too. I haven't done a, an allergy test a blood one in like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was also allergic to honey on mine. So yeah. I'm taking a quick break from it, which is sad because honey is so good for sleep if you take a little bit before bed. Oh, it's so good for everything. Like, I'm a I'm a huge fan of honey. I don't have much of it, not for um, like food reasons as much as, you know, bee pollens and uh, 
and like the the raw stuff even my dog when she has health disorders we always try to do that the kind of natural healing first and so we'll use honey as a bomb to help heal wounds and that sort of thing and it really does amazing things when you get the quality stuff so i was bummed out about that one and uh what else do we have <laughs> american cheese which <laughs> How can you be allergic to American cheese? There's no such thing. It's like I'm allergic to a bucket of chemicals I know. and some. Ugh. I don't even know the last time I had American cheese because it's not even cheese. Um, but here's another interesting thing: like I'm not at all allergic to any dairy. Um, I wasn't either, except for um, uh, let's see, whey, because I used yep. to, and this doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. I, I handle my whey pretty well, like the upgraded whey, because it's low temperature and raw, but mm-hmm. I used to eat a ton of like whey protein isolate and I did it when I wasn't taking stomach acid, like betaine HCL capsules. Oh. And, and I had low stomach acid and I've had low stomach acid for years. And if you're eating a higher protein diet, which I also did before I discovered the Bulletproof diet mm-hmm. you know, years ago, it turns out if you eat, you know, 30, 40, 50% of your calories from protein because you're trying to cut carbs, some of that protein isn't going to get digested and it puts a big load on the liver and some of it makes it through your gut if you don't have enough HCL in the stomach. Mm-hmm. When that happens, you start getting food allergies. So um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that things work out that way because a lot of people in paleo are not getting enough fat. Yeah. They're doing excess protein. And I'll tell you from years of that, excess protein does not do good things to your body. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Um, actually, I just said jimmy moore on the show and he's i think a prime example of that um he's had great luck bumping up his fat uh yeah and i think he's doing the the protein uh fast like the one day protein skipping which i also Mm -hmm. recommend i Mm -hmm. i've done that quite a bit i don't do it once a week really but maybe once every couple weeks i'll go a day with under 15 grams of protein yep and it makes you feel good i actually need to write that up in a blog post but uh it's pretty good stuff yeah interestingly it can be a big energy boost it's kind of amazing. It, it's almost like intermittent fasting. I, I, most mornings I do the bulletproof intermittent fasting where I eat nothing but bulletproof coffee, which is yep. only fat and coffee. I'm doing that and, right now, actually. Nice. So am I. That's <laughs> why we're talking so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that and the smart yes. drugs. In fact, every auctioneer you've ever seen is on bulletproof coffee. <laughs> uh-huh. So you end up getting that that nice fat buzz but yeah. it's the same type of effect when you skip protein for one day but i found out that i wasn't paying enough attention to the small amounts of protein in foods mm-hmm. so uh, my friend josh witten explained he's like dave you ought to look at the tables a little bit here and you know some ideal foods when you're skipping protein would be like one of your favorites, Abel olives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do love olives. <laughs> I know I do too, but you're not allowed to eat them anymore. Ha <laughs> ha. And uh, olives, and basically, you need to look on the internet to find out what's what amount of protein is in something because you might find that you're getting more protein than you think when you're eating a sweet potato yeah. or rice or something like that. So you just mm-hmm. have to add it all up so you don't accidentally get yourself 25 grams of protein, which right. doesn't have the same effect as going under 15. Yep. All right, so here's where it gets especially troublesome for me and and probably for you too because I know that these are a lot of your favorite foods. So this is in the moderately reactive category. So not a big deal, but at the same time, surprising. Let me ask eggs? No. Oh, okay. Totally fine with eggs. Like the common ones, seafood, eggs, dairy, like I'm all fine with. It's, uh, listen to this, coconut. 
cinnamon. Oh man. I know. Turmeric, avocado, uh sweet potato, and white potato. So I don't think you have enough stomach acid. I mean, how much sweet potato do you eat? Not much. I I'd say uh two times a week. I'll have a sweet potato or two. So what's likely going on there is you have a little bit of leaky gut going on because yeah, which surprises think, me. Yeah. Hmm. Do you take betaine with your meals? Uh, no, I haven't. I've tried that before, but I haven't been lately. And you might consider that the way you use betaine HCL is you take, it's just, it's a stomach acid capsule mm -hmm. basically. And people worry, Oh, I might get GERD or, or gastric reflux from it or just heartburn. And it turns out one of the reasons you get heartburn is because without enough stomach acid in your stomach, the valve at the top of your stomach won't close. Mm -hmm. Like a high enough level of acidity says close the valve so no acid leaks. Yep. So we end up with this problem where people walk around with heartburn because they don't have enough acid and then they take acid inhibitors, which completely turns off protein digestion. So you get more of these food allergies over time. Yeah. That certainly happened to me in my early 20s. I, the first time I ever had this heartburn, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like there's a candle burning inside my stomach. Yeah. And I went on Pepsid AC for a year, which is, you know, an old proton pump inhibitor that stops stomach acid. And it did not help my health in one at all. In fact, yeah. that might have been when I developed my, my whey allergy. Hmm. So it's like, hmm, this is kind of an interesting effect. And what you do is you take one betaine HCL with a meal, a normal meal that has protein and fat in it. And then if you don't get any burning from it, next meal, take two. Next mm. meal, take three until you get to the point that you feel heartburn from the betaine HCL. You feel like kind of warm and tingly in the stomach. That means you found your number. For a long time, my number was six grams of betaine HCL with a meal. Like Whoa. I completely turned off my stomach acid and I felt way better when I did it. And then over time, that got to be enough to give me heartburn as my endogenous production turned on. Hmm. So then I slowly just kept removing pills until I got to the point that I really didn't, quote, need it anymore. But I probably honestly should take one or two capsules with my meals on an ongoing basis for a long time because I've been exposed to toxic mold that does tend to turn off your production. Yeah. And because I have adrenal stress, like I, I, I'm completely doing what would probably destroy most people in that I've run this blog that like we had a half a million unique viewers through all channels last month. That's and, awesome. And like it's it's amazing. And I'm helping a ton of people. And at the same time, I'm a vice president at a big company and I'm, you know, head of global evangelism for a, a segment of our business. And I'm on airplanes all the time. Like I, I should be burning myself out, but I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm hanging in there, I'm I'm busy, I'm focused, and I'm really efficient. But because you're healthy. Yeah, but in order to keep all that stuff up, like uh, I'm going to have adrenal stress and I need to deal with it. And one of the ways you deal with that is by taking stomach acid. Mm -hmm. I've got to get that back into rotation. <laughs> it oh, sounds I like you do. And you should also get tested for things like uh, H. pylori and, mm -hmm. and other things like parasites even. That's on my list, yeah. Uh, if you have things drilling holes in your gut, that could certainly contribute. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I just found out I have H. pylori. If people don't know what H. pylori is, it's a pretty common bacterial infection of the gut that's responsible for ulcers. And you can have it without ulcers. And there aren't a lot of, of obvious symptoms of it. In fact, I didn't have any symptoms that I could find of it. Hmm. But I did a, a test, a stool analysis, 
And it came back that I definitely had that going on. So uh, I'm taking some of the natural herbs that get rid of it, like mastic gum. And um, that's maybe one area to look at for you. But I would I would look at both of those and yeah. just you know cross them off the list because something's making your gut leak if you're developing these allergies you didn't used to have. Right. Well, you know, I'm not sure if I used to have them or not. Um, but oh, and this is the second page. Listen to this. Beef. <laughs> Moderately reactive. Not highly, but moderately. That one definitely surprised me. And then uh, tea. Wow, tea is not one I've heard about. No, isn't that weird? Um, and tapioca and hops, which could explain why I don't feel that great after I have beer, even though I do like the taste of it. Hops are pretty common Yeah, uh, as an allergen. They're, they're pretty potent. But uh, I, I would guess the reason you don't feel good after beer is probably more about what's growing on the hops and the grain from the, the mold and the okra toxin yeah, content. Yeah, that would make sense. But uh, if it's a food allergy, that'll definitely make you feel different. Although you may feel better after you eat something you're allergic to. You yeah. get a cortisol spike that gives you lots of energy and focus for a little while, even mm-hmm. though it's kind of depleting your adrenals. Yeah, it's so weird, that whole thing. But um, just for people out there, this has been absolutely fascinating for me, especially with my diet dialed in as much as it is just to to get this test and i'm not necessarily recommending this one but um going in and just getting a profile of the things that might be causing trouble for you i know dave you would definitely support something like that yeah it's it's an amazing thing i mean if if you're out there and you're spending several hundred dollars a month on good quality food and supplements and you're really paying attention to how good you can feel and and maybe you've actually had that day when you really did feel bulletproof and like your brain was turned on all day and you never got tired and you know you just kept going and the good thoughts flowed and like everything was the way it's supposed to be if you felt that way you tend to be motivated to keep doing that Mm -hmm. it costs i don't do you know how much it costs for your leap i don't know this particular test i don't know how it works i used to run a testing lab but this is outside my expertise if you get the test itself it was only uh 350 bucks Okay, so it's in line with about what they cost. Uh, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Mine came from the lab that used to be called Great Smokies, and now they changed their name to something else. Uh, I guess I'm old school because I remember the old name. It's like it's like AXA Lab or something. It's one of those names that sounds like every other company, so I can't remember it. Yeah. But, yeah, you're going to spend between $200 and $350, $400 for a food allergy panel. But if you get this done then you know skip these foods the mm-hmm. alternative is what i did you know 15 years ago which was you buy a book on food rotation diets and you plan about 3 to 6 months when you're really going to have to be incredibly anal about your food yeah and once every 4 days you're allowed to have food from this category so on this day you can have these foods and then you don't eat anything that might trigger that allergy for several days and then you test yourself with that food again. And when you eat it, it kind of knocks you down because you have a, like an overwhelming immune response to it. Right. It's worth two or $300 to just get a list without having to do that. And plus, you might make a mistake on the rotation diet and miss something you're allergic to. Oh, totally. Especially with this is a long list of foods. And some of the other surprising ones are the ones that I'm not allergic to. And, and you know, every time I was eating dairy, um, I was... I've always loved dairy. I've always felt like I, I tolerated it pretty well, but I was also like a little bit nervous because I know so many people don't. So um, it, it gets your guilt in line, <laughs> which, yeah. which is nice. There's another factor that isn't well understood. Uh, my wife and I used to run a medical lab testing company that tested for non-antibody-mediated allergic response to things including 
uh, foods and environmental things, things like mercury, mm -hmm. or plastics, or medical implants even. And it turns out that if you take a person's blood cells, their white blood cells, you culture them, and then you put something in the culture medium, an antigen, sometimes without any antibodies present, the white blood cells go nuts. And what that is, is a non-antibody mediated immune response. Hmm. And we're not entirely sure the underlying mechanism, but it's highly repeatable. And what we were doing is we were taking, for instance, we had an eight-year-old patient who had... Um, a brace put into his chest. He had a disorder where his ribs grew into his lungs. And wow. this kills you uh, slowly and painfully. So what they've been doing for years now is when people have this, they implant something that holds the chest apart until you end up maturing. And when you're done uh, with that as a teenager, then they take it out and you're fine. The problem was they put a titanium brace in this kid's chest and he started to die. And his surgeon was just going nuts and found us on the internet and said, well, I'm going to, I guess, order the test. So we got the test, and he had no antibodies to titanium. In fact, I'm not sure they can even identify the, a specific antibody for that. But we detected a huge, huge response to it and helped get a zirconium replacement using an FDA uh, exemption in order to be able to bring one in from Germany because the FDA still hasn't approved those in the U.S. Wow. And you know what? It saved the kid's life. Like, it was amazing. The, the surgeon said, you know two weeks after we put that in, he was back to his normal self. Like before that, he had multiple organs trying to shut down and inflammation throughout his body, and he was falling apart. And this wow. is an example of how strong a non-antibody-mediated immune reaction can be. Yeah. So you may have something like that going on to a food. If it makes you feel really crappy, either it has toxins in it, things like heterocyclic amines, that can really mess you up. Uh, the famous one of those is histamine. Mm -hmm. So so if you don't break histamine down very well, then you eat something that you're not, quote, allergic to, but you eat it, you're going to feel like crap because yeah. it's going to give you a surge of histamine and you're not going to clean it out fast enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's eye-opening when you, when you think about all this stuff, but it's also good to try to figure it out. The more that you figure out your own body, the better off you are, and, and the more dialed into getting that optimal state of nutrition and and movement that everyone needs to feel their best. Uh, I could not agree more. So, in line with that, there are also things that you can do to to hack that a bit. Um, and one of my favorite topics right now is smart drugs, and so I know that that's one of your favorite things to talk about too. So, why don't you just just vamp on that a little bit? What have you tried? What works well for you? And uh, what what could you open other people's eyes to? I've tried pretty much every smart drug that there is on the market other than <laughs> other than a couple. Yeah. I, I got into this whole thing because in my, my mid-20s, I was really fortunate. I made $6 million uh, when I was 26, which is kind of a cool thing, except the company I worked for went bankrupt a couple years later, uh, which wasn't such a cool thing. <laughs> so I, I had a brief period where I'm like, if I read about it, I'm just going to try it. I have a credit card that won't go empty very easily. Yeah. So I also was having cognitive dysfunction. I noticed and actually measured that there were days at work when I just couldn't focus on anything. Hmm. And my brain was turning off, and I ended up getting 3D brain scans with radioactive imaging and all, and all this. And it really was happening. So I said, all right, what am I going to do? Smart drugs. And and I ordered like thousands of dollars of smart drugs from Europe, and, and I've used like I'm saying, everyone in the book. 
And to this day, uh, I'm good friends with Steve Folks, the guy who wrote in the 1980s something called Smart Drug News, which was the main source on smart drugs. And he published a book called Smart Drugs and Nutrients Too, which is still like the Bible of smart drugs mm -hmm. years later. He's an advisor to the Silicon Valley Health Institute, the anti-aging nonprofit group that I run in Palo Alto. Cool. And so Steve totally helped me to learn about this before I knew him in person. And even today, when you look at like the Tim Ferriss recommendations for smart drugs, uh, it's kind of funny. They mirror exactly what would, you would find in smart drugs and nutrients too. You know, mm -hmm. take hydrogen and take paracetam and things like that. But it, it turns out it's a little bit more complex than that. About a third of people out there are acetylcholine dominant. And acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter in your brain that's based on essentially a type of fat, the sticky kind of fat that comes in eggs called lecithin or comes in soybeans or a lot of different fats. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like the glue that's inside fat. Choline is really important because it's what insulates your nerves. Your myelin sheath is made out of choline. And it turns out a lot of smart drugs turn up the amount of choline that you have or the amount of acetylcholine that you have in your brain. And enough acetylcholine is stimulatory. It makes you feel really good. Mm -hmm. Too much acetylcholine is completely destructive in your body. In fact, some of the pesticides we have are based on turning off something called acetylcholinesterase. Acetylcholinesterase's job is to break down acetylcholine. So if you want to kill animals or bugs, you turn off the ability to remove acetylcholine from their brain. Their brain spins up and up and up, and then they die. Wow. In our case, if you turn off your ability to break down acetylcholine too much, you can get the symptoms of chronic fatigue, and they can stick with you for six months or more. Hmm. So smart drugs are something that I highly recommend for people, but I think that you should use them consciously. And you need to be extremely aware when you use some of the really common ones, including the ones that, um, that Tim was recommending, things like Hooperzine A. Mm -hmm. Hooperzine A can be remarkable. In fact, I used to take it when I was younger before I figured all this stuff out, and I figured out that I'm acetylcholine dominant. So yeah. I'm a guy who has too much choline in my brain. And taking Hooperzine gives me jaw tension. And so you can test yourself. Take alpha GPC, which is a really common thing. It's not even a drug. It's basically a highly effective form of choline. Mm -hmm. It stands for alpha glycerol phosphorylcholine. And it's over the counter. You can buy it at a vitamin shop or online. And, and one of my favorite formulas that contains that with some of the other things is uh, alpha brain, uh, the stuff that Joe Rogan talks about. It's, it's a really good mix of not necessarily the drugs, but the, the supplements that are very cognitively targeted. Mm -hmm. If you are acetylcholine dominant, though, you'll probably get a lot of muscle tension. So take a high dose of that stuff for a day or two. And if you wake up with cramps, you wake up with headaches, you wake up with a uh, sore jaw, you're acetylcholine dominant. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You still might want to supplement with choline, but you need something to pull your choline levels back down. What you use... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we were talking about this offline uh, in Austin last week. And what happened to me when I started taking choline um, is this twitch that I used to have in my eye that I haven't experienced in a long time. I'm sure a lot of people know what, what this feels like. You know, you just get that kind of bizarre twitching that happens for no reason, <laughs> doesn't really want to go away. And I hadn't experienced it in in literally years. Um, and I think a lot of that was was diet related. And I kind of 
you know, I've started to optimize everything in the past few years. And so it went away and then started taking choline. Um, it came back. So we assume that I'm choline dominant. It, it easily could be. And maybe it would, you know, your brain could adjust over time. Mm -hmm. The other thing to do, and, and this is actually something I think most people benefit from, is, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a, a secret I haven't announced on my website yet. But I've looked at all of the racetams, and the racetams are a family of very well understood smart drugs. They've been around since, oh, good God, almost 50 years now. Mm -hmm. The first one, paracetam, has been around, and they have these different analogs. So I've gone through, I've taken every analog of paracetam you can get. My very favorite is called phenyl paracetam. And that's like a smart drug for the whole body. It, you don't just feel it in your brain. You just feel good everywhere. Yeah. But it's only available in Russia, and it's very hard to get. I'm out, and I'm sad about that. <laughs> so aside from that, the one that's most interesting is called aniracetam. So next month, I'm releasing you know, Upgraded Brain, which is uh, the bulletproof version of aniracetam. And aniracetam is the most interesting paracetam because it has some effects the other racetams don't. Number one, it's fat soluble, so it enters the brain really quickly, so you can feel it. You take yeah. it with, say, bulletproof coffee, <laughs> which is full of fat. Your body's like, oh, yeah, I know <laughs> what to do with this stuff. So it hits you pretty fast. Yep, did that this morning, actually. Oh, did you? Sweet. You yep. took NRS time with it? Absolutely. Oh, killer. No wonder you're talking fast. <laughs> I know, right? And what NRS time does that the others don't do is it has a mild anti-stress effect or an anti-anxiety effect. So you end up feeling a little bit more mellow, but you also get really focused. And it's also the only one that tends to increase your memory I.O. So what I.O. is, and given that I'm a hacker, this is you know, the way I, I think about it. But in a computer, the faster you can put stuff in memory or take stuff out of memory, the better your computer works. So it's not about having an enormous memory. Like Think about this. If you, if you had a giant water tank, like, great, I can store so much water, but you only have a straw to drink out of it. It doesn't matter how much is in the tank. You can't get it out. <laughs> what anorastam does is it gives you this giant pump and a suction in order to pull things out of your memory or put things into your memory. So I find that anorastam on a day-to-day -day basis is the one that I like best for focus, creativity, and for this memory I.O. effect. And when you take anorastam and you take one of the other sources of choline, then anorastam can help to lower your choline levels back down to normal because the racetams tend to consume choline. Mm -hmm. Some people, though, who are really sensitive to choline need to take a lot of racetams with no choline at all in order to normalize their acetylcholine levels to feel good. So it's not like you can just you know read the latest article in Wired about smart drugs and say, I'll order one of every one of these. I've done that you know, with thousands of dollars worth of stuff. And you can try them one at a time, but until you understand a little bit about how they affect you, or until you know whether you tend to be acetylcholine dominant or not, you could actually, by taking a lot of the anticholinergics like Hooperzine and whatnot, you could actually push yourself into a state that's very similar to chronic fatigue and you could mm -hmm. be tired for a long time. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, actually, so I, I was taking choline with the aniracetam at the beginning. I dialed that back, and what, what did I see you like a week ago? Um, mm -hmm. The eye twitch is gone now. It, it slowly went away. Yeah, you were getting you were getting levels a little bit too high. So one thing you could do that might help from a cognitive perspective is try hydrogen. Hmm. Um, hydrogen is an extract of ergo fungus, 
for those of you who are familiar with it, LSD is another extract of ergo fungus. <laughs> and funny enough, this is what's responsible for St. Elmo's fire, which is this sort of wave of insane behavior that people interpreted as a spiritual thing way back in like the 1700s. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they were eating rye that had been infected with this kind of fungus. <laughs> so hydrogen so is, wild. isn't it? It, it? And it's amazing that it has such an, a big effect on the brain with almost unmeasurable doses. They're so tiny. Mm -hmm. And this is why I, I'm really concerned about molds that are unplanned in the, the human food supply chain. Like it's a much bigger problem than you'd think because it's such small doses affect us. Mm -hmm. But hydrogen is a, it doesn't make you trip like LSD would at all. Uh, I did notice a little bit of eye dilation from it, but that can help a lot with focus. And that's one that I used to use quite a bit. But honestly, when I'm on Bulletproof Coffee and I've got my supplements right and I'm doing some of the electronic things and with all the, the biohacking I've done, like I just, I feel so good and so focused that even the big guns like ProVigil, one of my other smart drugs, mm -hmm. it used to be like, you know, the lights are on. I feel like, you know, I feel amazing, like Limitless the movie. Mm -hmm. And to the point now, as long as I do like the coffee and the MCT oil and the butter and I keep my diet under control without toxins, I, I feel so good that ProVigil is like a 10% boost because I'm already there. Yeah. So smart drugs are still a part of my normal regimen, but I don't. I honestly don't benefit from them as much as I once did because my brain is so turned on all the time. Right, which is a cool problem to have. Now, with these smart drugs, um, do you cycle them or how do you decide how much is the right dose for you, et cetera? You know, it is, uh, it's a self-experimentation thing. Yeah. And that's why you really need to read about what the smart drugs do before you start taking them and what other people's observed effects from them are. Uh, a good example there is ProVigil. I used to take that stuff uh, 400 milligrams a day. This is also known as modafinil. I've been on CNN and uh, ABC Nightline. Uh, something on KCBS should be coming up and uh, in Men's Health and, and like Rolling Stone talking about this stuff. And literally, if you've seen Limitless the movie, I guarantee you that the person who did the camera work on that has tried ProVigil because what they did with the camera lens where suddenly everything gets brighter and more colorful that's how the world feels when you're on ProVigil. Hmm. Like literally you see colors better. You can take information and you just have this amazing focus. You can count cards like a pro. The stuff is kind of magic. And I used to take that and be like, wow, I've got my life back. Like I, I got my MBA at Wharton while working full time at a startup that we sold for $600 million. <laughs> and I, you know, that's kind of hard to do. It was a full time, it was an executive program, but a full time, same number of classroom hours as someone who's going to school full time. Mm -hmm. So it was very strenuous. And I totally would not have pulled that off without ProVigil and the other smart drugs that I take. And it, it's one of those things where, wow, it's just magical. But now, you know, 10 years later, when normally you have a little bit of cognitive decline, you know, I, I just turned 40, so I'm officially old. And <laughs> I should be slowing down, but honestly, my brain is younger and better performing now after all the, the neurofeedback and the brain training and the smart drugs and just the MCT and the bulletproof coffee. Like I'm just, I'm on fire and I, I love it. So it's funny that I actually find smart drugs are less effective when my brain is healthier, but they're still effective. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I, and, I, I can't I, believe it, but we're actually coming up on time, Dave. Um, okay. I, I would gladly talk to you all day. And actually, that's a good time to bring it up. Actually, I'll, I'll be out in San Francisco at Dave's conference uh, in January. So why don't we talk a little bit about your projects now and your conference coming up and all the other cool stuff you're working on? 
That is super cool. I'm really excited that you're going to be out at the conference. We're putting on a conference January 17th through 19th. That's a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in 2013. It's uh, two blocks from Union Square in San Francisco. This is the first ever biohacking conference. We're going to have two days of hands-on work where we have a professional sports trainer named Jay Schroeder, who's going to be actually on my podcast coming up here. And I've worked with Jay personally. In one day, he added nine inches to my long jump using, <laughs> using electrical stimulation technology. And what we're going to do for 50 people, I think we have about, I don't know, seven slots left. Uh, but we're, we're going to, to have them there for two days. And Jay's going to explain how the protocols work. And he's going to use about $100,000 worth of gear he's bringing with him, the stuff he uses to train pro athletes. And we'll identify dysfunctional movement patterns in people in areas of weakness. And then instead of telling them, you know, do more squats, we're going to hook electrodes up to them and run a current over their nerves <laughs> while they do squats perfectly. And that current is going to train the brain and the nerves to do the squats right. And because we're triggering their nervous system between 240 and 500 times a second, you get the learning effect and the myelination of nerves very quickly. So we're literally in two days going to take people and radically change the way they move. And the final day, we have a series of lectures about how to change your brain, how to change your body from people who really have studied this, people like you. So Abel, I mean, do you want to tell the audience what you're going to be talking about at the conference? I'm pretty stoked about it, actually. Yeah, I'm stoked about it, too. So a lot of you out there know that I'm a professional musician and have been doing that for a long time and also have been studying music and its effects on the brain for a long time. And so that's what my first book was about. Uh, and what I'm going to be presenting about at the, the conference is going to be more targeted to how you can improve your own performance and physiology and habits by using music in your own life. It's something that I've done kind of like under the radar and maybe not even knowing it my whole life just to keep myself emotionally sane, to improve my performance, um, to speed up the work that I do in some cases. I remember when I first started consulting and I really needed to hammer stuff out, I would put on Dragon Force and crank it up in my earphones and be <laughs> able to do like 10 hours of work in two. So I'll be talking about that. I'm really excited, Dave. It's going to be fun. It, it is going to be fun. And for people who are listening and especially ones who are in the Bay Area or who want to go there, for Saturday alone, we just opened up 40 more seats. On Saturday, you don't do the hands-on electrodes, but we have all the lectures on Saturday, and we have a collection of biohacking equipment available for people to basically try out. We'll have brain blood flow feedback. We'll probably have some neurofeedback. We'll have lasers. And so basically, these are the technologies I keep talking about on my blog, some of which are quite expensive or hard to get a hold of, but they'll be there for people to basically touch and feel and poke so it'll be like no other conference you've ever seen. And uh, check check it out on our site if that's of interest to you. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So for you folks who are going to be there, come say hi to us. It's going to be a blast. You can find out how to sign up at bulletproofconference.com. And there's more info posted at bulletproofexec.com as well. Awesome. And Dave, you have a couple of books, right? I do indeed. The Upgraded Chef is out. And The Upgraded Chef is about how do you cook things quickly that taste good, that are compliant with a bulletproof diet. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, how do you do it without introducing new toxins from the cooking process? And this is an area where a lot of paleo people just fall on their head. Yeah. Like, oh, look, I had these amazing smoked ribs that I cooked for 42 hours. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, yes, they taste amazing. No one's going to argue with that. They taste especially like there. 
especially there in Austin, right? In this yeah. case, like cancer, that's right. <laughs> it turns out, like in this book, I've done a lot of work, like molecular gastronomy sort of work, where you control temperatures and what's in the food as you cook it so that you can create food that tastes really good, that's convenient, but that has a different effect on your inflammation and your cognitive function. Less inflammation equals better cognitive function and better biology. So that, that's one that's available on Amazon. It's called The Upgraded Chef. The other one is called The Better Baby Book. That comes out in January, at the end of January. It's published by Wiley. And believe it or not, it was Gary Tobbs of Good Calories, Bad Calories fame who introduced me to his agent in New York. So mm -hmm. I shared an agent with Gary, and I have a huge debt of gratitude to him. And I, I think he's one of the most impressive science writers I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, so it's coming out from Wiley, and the book is called Better Baby Book, betterbabybook.com. And it's what can you do managing your environment, your food, your toxins, your supplements, and your stress in order to have kids that are as healthy as possible with better genes and bigger brains. It turns out what you do before you get pregnant and while you're pregnant is terribly important because you have the most leverage there of any time throughout life to influence health. If you get that first nine months in the womb right, you're doing more than taking your teenager and getting them off pizza and Coke. It's that important. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to, uh, to read that when it comes out, Dave. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show as always. And you're welcome anytime. Hey, Abel. Thanks a lot. I really like your show and I appreciate the work you're doing. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. We'll see you in January. See you in January, Abel. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to the Fat Burning Man Show. If you'd like free fat burning tips, muscle building goodies, as well as a free ebook and video course, head on over to fatburningman.com and enter your best email, and I'll shoot those right over to you. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, I'm at facebook.com forward slash fatburningman. And on Twitter, my handle is fatburnman. Got some killer shows on the way, but in the meantime, be well, and I'll be talking to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers.